Welcome to the Ponder a New Podcast. I'm Pastor Rob Myalis, back from uh, my summer vacation, and I hope that uh, you who are listening have had a nice time off this summer or are uh, planning for a final uh, getaway this summer. And I wanted to encourage you uh, for your last bit of summer reading to consider reading one of the shorter books in the Bible, a letter by the Apostle Paul to the congregation in Philippi, also known as Philippians. And I think there's a few reasons why, uh, beyond the fact that it's just a short letter, I think this can be a really nice uh, summer read. And the first of all, I think it's a great letter that can serve as an antidote to anxiety. I think many of us, as we end this summer, come out of vacation, feel really relaxed, but also kind of feel these sort of storm clouds coming with the fall and the busyness and the schedules and, uh, you know, work projects and and so forth. Uh, This is especially acute for teachers, but I think for everybody, a sense of, okay, there's going to be a lot of change, some excitement, but also some nervousness, some anticipation, some anxiety around it. And Paul's, especially the fourth chapter, uh, the end of the letter to the Philippians, you could almost just pick one verse a day and just dwell on that verse about rejoicing in, in the Lord. If there's anything good or praiseworthy, uh, dwelling on, on this. Um, so, so it's just really a comforting uh, a book. And, and part of the why is that it's, um, it's a book that although it's not a story in itself— say, like the book of Genesis or, you know, like the gospel of Mark. It's very autobiographical, autobiographical. And so it, it feels as if um, Paul really is, is sharing a story here. A lot of Paul's letters require some, some significant background to really get into. And sometimes that background is linguistic or sort of sociocultural, um, but but the Philippians, um, it doesn't require that. You, you don't need to be an expert in ancient Near East sociology or the whole of the Bible or linguistics or, or anything really to just appreciate what, bec- what really is sort of this end-of-life reflection on, on what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus. And now Paul is at the end of his life, and he's writing from prison, actually, uh, and, and sort of there's a bit of drama there, and he uh, recounts sort of his childhood and, and really his, his experience becoming a follower of Christ. So, so it's, um, now, now to be clear, there is a lot of stuff you can get out of it if you want to look at it and sort of look at the background, and there's all sorts of issues about uh, citizenship and the ancient city of Philippi, and sort of Romans uh, that had re- retired there from the army. There's uh, stuff, especially in Philippians 2, um, about, about what it means in ancient Roman and Greco-Roman religion to be a god and what it meant in society to be a slave. I mean, there's tons of stuff you can get into with, the, with ancient cultures that if you're interested, there's plenty of commentaries you can pick up and read about it, and you can go super in-depth in, in that way and, and get sort of mine it for all it's worth. But even if you don't want to do that, you can just read it, and it becomes clear that this is uh, an, 
an honest and vulnerable reflection of somebody, a real mature Christian writing to fellow Christians, a letter from prison to them to thank them for their support um, and really reflect on, on what it's meant for him to be, again, a follower of Jesus his whole life. Or, sorry, really the second half of his life. And, and what really comes about there, and why I think, again, the book is especially worth reading, is that bad religion is always transactional. Like, you do something, and, and, and uh, maybe or maybe not the gods do something. So you bring your pigeon for forgiveness or for healing or for fertility, and, you know, and hopefully the priest on behalf of the gods can assure you that, uh, you know, this has, this has happened. Or more modern crafts, you just sort of, you make sure you pay enough to the church and you assume that things will go well for you and your household. But, but what Paul is, is getting at in the letter to the Philippians is a far more drastic and animated sense of, of the way in which Christ's death and resurrection through the Spirit happens to us. As in life, we, we suffer um, sort of small, like capital, capital letter deaths, sort of those times in life when things don't work out, those times in life when we have sinned greatly and have stumbled, those times in life when just situations outside of our control just break down, uh, or even when because of our, our Christian faith, we we suffer consequences for it. Again, all of these, these myriad ways in which the cross comes to us, and yet we experience the power of Christ's new life and love in our lives, and that sort of uh, reality of, of Christ both humbling us, yet uh, exalting us and giving us uh, hope and joy and love beyond all measure. So, again, why read the book of Philippians? Um, because it, it's, it's a great devotional resource, especially, I think, against maybe some end-of-the-summer worries. Um, and it's, it's accessible, uh, and it sort of is compelling, this sort of elder statesman of the church uh, at that time, and now historically supreme, uh, is, is sort of giving his, his counsel. And, and then even what it points to theologically and, and really in our lives in terms of what Christ looks like. My hope is that at some point in the next year or two, I'll go back and I'll do more of a really get kind of into the background of, of Philippians, um, especially Philippians 2 and, you know, this, this, the Christ hymn. And I will just say, just as one little tidbit too, that that Philippians 2, there's, you know, Bible probably has bracketed verses 5 through 11 and in all likelihood, those were words that were actually used in an ancient hymn or part of ancient worship and ancient liturgy, and that Paul is not making them up, but is rather reflecting on what this means. And uh, it's significant then to think that already the early church, within 20 to 30 years after Jesus' death and resurrection, wasn't just having Paul, but was having other people really beautifully, uh, musically begin to reflect uh, in, in worship, even in formal worship, how, how they could praise Christ and, and think about uh, who he was and what he had done uh, for them. And uh, just one kind of final cool pop culture thing is that if you watch the latest Marvel movie, um, Love and Thunder, 
they actually have the Greek god Zeus in it, and uh, played by I think Russell Crowe. And it's basically clear that Zeus wants to use his power to basically, um, you know, have have orgies up in in heaven, where sort of this um, city omnipotent. In other words, he doesn't really want to use his powers to help anybody, just for his own pleasure. And that's really what uh, Philippians 2 is getting at, that the gods of the ancient world did whatever they wanted for their own advantage, but Christ, instead, having all of that power, chooses instead to, to do the unthinkable, to suffer the cross for our sake. And then Paul even goes then further in Philippians and talks about how that, that process of death and resurrection in Christ comes to us. So... By the time you listen to this podcast, uh, you may have even been able to read the whole book of Philippians, but I encourage you just to uh, savor it on vacation, read a couple of verses a day, a paragraph or two, and dwell on it, and uh, let the word of Christ dwell rich- richly in your hearts as we uh, conclude our summer vacation. <laughs>